You may be seated, and we are in a series called No More Limits. Amen. No More Limits. And the subtitle of today's message is Let It Go. Look at your neighbor and say, Let It Go. Whatever it is, it may be time to let it go. Let it go. So we are not defined by the boundaries that the world presents to us, are we? The world will attempt to put you in a box, will attempt to limit you, fence you in, but God never does. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, it says, And he made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men, to settle on the face of the earth, having definitely determined their allotted periods of time and the fixed boundaries of their habitation, their settlements, lands, and abodes. God's got a wealthy place for each and every one of you. He's got a land, he's got an abode, he's got a settlement, he's got a plan, he's got a purpose. He has a destiny for your life. And so in order then for us to move into all that God has for us, there are sometimes some things in the past that, quite frankly, we all need to let go. Don't let the past hinder you. Don't let it stop you. Whatever it might be, a past sin or a past failure or a past discouragement. You know, too often we remember things that we should forget and we forget the things that we should remember. The number one thing I want to look at today is we need to let go of past hurts or wrongs. And when I think of that, I think of Joseph. How many of you know the story of Joseph? Joseph was a covenant man, and he had some brothers that were very jealous of him because it seemed as though that Jacob, his father, loved him more than he loved his other sons. And so Joseph, he dreamed two dreams. And in the first dream, he saw some sheaves bowing down to another sheep, which was him. And the sheaves that were bowing down to him were his brothers. Well, obviously, his brothers did not like that. And then the other dream was that he saw the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down to him. The sun, the moon, and the stars representing his brothers. And his brothers got really upset and got really uptight. So here's what they did. They conspired, uh, really, uh, to get rid of him. So they they threw him in a pit. And uh, along came uh, some Ishmaelites. And they found uh, Joseph in the pit. His brothers completely deserted him. So the Ishmaelites brought him to Potiphar. He was a well-known political person in that region of the nation. And they sold him to Potiphar's house. He was a slave. So he went from being Jacob's son to a slave. And you know what happened in Potiphar's house, don't you? Well, Potiphar had a wife that was very, very interested in getting Joseph in the sack. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, she tried to seduce him several times, and Joseph kept saying, no, no, no. And one day, you know, uh, somehow he got into the bedroom, and she tried to get him in the bed, and Joseph did an exit stage right, and he ran. How many of you know there are some temptations you just quite simply need to run from? And she grabbed his cloak, and uh, then she accused Joseph of trying to seduce her. Well, that made old Potiphar really mad. Here's Joseph, the innocent one, thrown in a pit. And then the next thing you know, he's accused of of trying to seduce Potiphar's wife. And then he ends up in prison. I mean, he could have gotten really bitter. You know, in life there are times where you're going to get opportunities to be bitter. 
But one thing about Joseph, he didn't let bitterness get a hold of him. Instead of Joseph getting bitter, he got better. And you know, when you let go of your bitterness, and you forgive people, and you let go of the hurts of the past, you can get better too. See, the world has a bitter cup for you, but God has a sweet cup full of joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so while he was in prison, now he went into prison as a young man, probably around 19 or 20. Eight or nine years later, he's still in that prison. And there was a butler and there was a baker of Pharaoh. And they were in prison. And both of them had a dream. And I believe, wasn't it the, the butler? He, he said to the butler, he said, in three days, uh, you're going to be restored. In other words, you're going to be able to go back to work uh, for Pharaoh. And then the baker says, sorry, in three days, you're going to be dead. You're going to be gone. Head. Off with your head. <laughs> and, and so uh, it happened just like um, that Joseph got this dream. Joseph uh, told uh, the butler at one point, he says, it's, God, it's in God's hands. God is the one who will give me the interpretation of the dream. One thing about Joseph, he never took the glory upon himself. And I believe that that is a key to success in life. From going from bitter to better, give God all the glory. And so, um, uh, the butler it is, you know, he's working with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had a dream, and he was really, really upset by the dream, because the dream wasn't a good dream. So he called the magicians and all the astrologers, trying to get them to interpret the dream, and they couldn't do it. And then, uh, the butler remembered, after all these years, that Joseph had interpreted a dream. So Pharaoh calls Joseph before him. And, and Joseph interprets the dream. And basically the dream and the summation of it was this. Is there is coming a great famine in the land of Egypt. And he gave him instructions. But if you do this, if you store up for seven years, when that seven years of famine hit, it will not affect you. You will have more than enough. Sounds like the wisdom of God to me. How about you? And so as we track this along and follow this along, it happened exactly as the Spirit of God gave it to Joseph. And then Pharaoh made Joseph his right-hand man. And he put Joseph over all of the stewardship of all the corn and all of the grain that was in the land. Well, his brothers and his dad, Jacob, were greatly affected by this famine. And so they came from afar, a foreign land, into Egypt to get some grain so that they could make it through this difficult time and this difficult season. The first time the brothers came, and Joseph really did not reveal himself at that time that he was actually Joseph, their brother. But there came a time where he actually revealed to them that I am Joseph. Don't you know that probably put them back a little bit. But here's what Joseph said to them. And I love this in in, uh, Genesis 50 and verse 20. He said, now, as for you guys, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good, to bring it to pass at this day to save much people alive. You see, when you're in the will of God, and you're not bitter, but you're getting better, you'll see the will of God, and you'll see the hand of God in every situation. How many of you know God can take something bad in your life and turn it around for the glory of God? If you'll just stay steadfast, and if you'll just trust in Him, He will bring it to pass. Well, the long and short of the story is, as Jacob came, the dad came, they embraced one another. He revealed himself to his brothers, and they had a family reunion, and the family was taken care of. But what if Joseph 
had not allowed himself to let go of the past. I'll guarantee you the enemy would have eaten Joseph's lunch. And if you don't allow yourself to let go of the past, you're open target to the enemy. And in Ephesians 4.27, it says this, that we are not to give the devil any place in our life. By harboring unforgiveness, by harboring hurts, and by harboring resentments, we are going to give the enemy a place in our life. But I think it's very interesting, something about Joseph. Look at chapter 41 of Genesis, in verse 51 and verse 52. This is awesome. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me to forget all my toil, all my toy on all my father's house. The word Manasseh means to forget, to forget. And then the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. The word for Ephraim is fruitful. So here's the word today. Don't expect to become fruitful if you're not willing to put the past behind you. Forget it. Forget it. And by the way, when we're talking about forgetting and forgetting the past, we're not talking about some state of spiritual amnesia. Forgetting in the spiritual sense is this. It means this, that you do not allow the past to dominate your present or to dictate your future. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19, it says this. Remember not the former things. Don't consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and I will make rivers in the desert. Now I want you to pay particular attention to that word remember. He said, remember not the former things. That word remember in the Hebrew literally means don't recite, don't reenact, or don't rehearse. In other words, what the Lord is saying is stop rehearsing it. Stop talking about it. Stop getting into a pity party about your past. Because every time you rehearse and reenact it, the enemy then is there to bring torment back in your lives. Is it possible for us to let it go? Is it possible for us to let the, fut- to let the past go and to face our future with a smile on our face? And to face our future with great expectation. So let go of the past. Let go of those hurts. You know, it doesn't mean that the person that hurt you or the circumstance that brought hurt into your life was right. Many times they're wrong. Many times you're in a situation where, you know, you become a victim of circumstance. And I'm not saying that you have to live with that person anymore. I'm not saying that you have to work on that job anymore. But the best thing you can do is to forgive, forget, and to go on with your life. Say it with me. Forgive, Forgive. forget, Forget. and go on on. with your life. The second thing I want to talk to you about is this. Don't allow past failures to limit you, stop you, or hinder you. How many of you have ever heard of a great basketball player by the name of Michael Jordan? Considered by many to be the greatest basketball player of all time. And uh, here's what Michael said. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've almost lost 300 games. He said, 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I've missed. 
He says, I never failed over, I've failed over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. That is why I succeed. So here's the truth about it. In reality, your attitude toward failure is always more important than the event of a failure. I like what Henry Ford said. Henry Ford said it this way. Failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Begin again more intelligently. You see, the great men of the Bible and women of the Bible are not men or women who never failed, but they are men and women who didn't quit. I am not looking at a congregation of quitters. Winners never quit. And quitters never win. You can make the choice every day. I am a winner. I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Now, the devil will tell you you're, you're a loser. The devil will tell you you're a victim. But you just talk back right to the devil and say, look, Mr. Devil, I don't know whether you can read or not. But Romans 8:37 says, nay, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Amen. See, he's been talking to you all day. You might as well talk back. But don't reason with him. Don't go on his plane. You cannot whip the enemy in the realm or the arena of reason. Amen. You will whip the devil and you will win in life by taking the sword of the spirit of God out and say, it is written, devil. It is written in the name of Jesus. It is written. Now, when he tells you you're a a victim, you just look him square in the face. Victim? Are you kidding me? I'm a victor. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, thanks be unto God, which gives me the victory. Now, that doesn't sound like I'm a victim, does it, Mr. Devil? 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says, thanks be unto God, who always causes me to triumph in Christ. Always causing to triumph in Christ does not sound like the language of a loser. It sounds like the language of a winner. There is something called the language of the redeemed. Or the language of redemption. We must get our minds renewed to the degree where we know what this new language is. Some of you had to learn a new language to come into this nation, to come into this country. Others of you have learned other languages for your business purposes. Perhaps you've learned Spanish. Perhaps you've learned French. Perhaps you've learned German. How many of you know it took time for you to learn those languages? And just like it takes time to learn to be educated in languages that are natural, it also takes time to be educated in the school of the Word and the school of the Holy Spirit to learn the language of the redeemed. The language of the redeemed is not like the language of the world. The language of the world is on a low level, but the language of the redeemed is on a high level. Hallelujah. The language of the redeemed says, by his stripes I am healed. The language of the world says, oh, I'm so sick, I don't know whether I'm going to make it. The language of the redeemed says, but my God, my, 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 my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The language of the world says, well, I don't know whether we're going to make it or not. No, thank God. Get into the school of the spirit. Get into the school of the renewal of the mind. Learn the language of the redeemed and don't put your book aside. Get in it day and night and speak it day and night and you will be all right. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Thank you, Lord. There is also another language that you can tap into through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. 
It is the language of, it is the tongues of men and of angels. He said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, he'll empower you to be a witness. But not only that, he'll empower you to have a heart-to-heart communication from your spirit to the Father of Spirits. For you see, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, he's not speaking unto man, but he's speaking unto God. How many of you desire today to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. Oh, that's several of you. We're going to have an altar call today. An altar call by the laying on of hands to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Say with me, I'm learning. I'm speaking the language of the redeemed. So we know that Moses murdered a man, and yet God still used Moses. We know that David committed adultery and had the husband of the wife that he committed adultery with to go to the front lines for him to be killed so that there could be a cover-up. We also know that Peter had cut off a man's ear with a sword. It wasn't the will of God for Melchus's ear to come off. Jesus put his ear back on his head. We know that Peter went from Peter the denier to Peter the prophesier. What is it that made the difference in Peter's life? It was this baptism with the Holy Spirit. It was this infilling. It was this endowment from power from on high. Hallelujah. Did not Paul persecute the church? You see, in the beginning, he was Saul of Tarsus. Perhaps you've been watching that movie about, you know, the Bible and seeing all these enactments of these things that happened in the Word of God. Well, you know, on the road to Damascus, something happened to Paul. You know, on the road to Damascus, there was a shaft of glory hit the apostle Paul. It knocked him right off his donkey or his horse or whatever it was. But not only did it knock him off his animal, it knocked the S out of his name and put a P in his name. Hallelujah. You need some things knocked out of your life? Glory to God. Let the shaft of His glory, let the shaft of the infilling of the Holy Spirit fill you today, baptize you today, and empower you this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I can remember when I got saved. A couple weeks later, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, glory to God. He will embolden you. He will empower you. He will help you to look at your past in a way like this, looking down. Not looking down from your past, but looking down at your past. Because the author of your past is under your feet. Amen. Say with me, I've been raised together. And I'm sitting with Christ in heavenly places. So everyone has fallen short. All have failed and come, uh, come short of the glory of God. All of us needed God's mercy. Is that right? All of us needed a brand new beginning. Now, I want you to notice Lamentations chapter 3, if you would, verse 21 through 23. Lamentations, the third chapter, the 21st verse through the 23rd verse. This I recall to my mind. You see, you cannot very well recall to your mind something you haven't heard before. You can't very well speak the language of redemption if you haven't read about it, if you haven't meditated on it. He said, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, it gives me a confident and a favorable expectation. And here's what he was recalling. He says, it is of the Lord's mercies that I'm not consumed, because his compassions, they never fail. Aren't you glad he's merciful? Aren't you glad he's compassionate? Aren't you glad he's patient with you? Notice with me in verse 23. Ready, read. Go ahead. 
They are new every morning. What's new every morning? His mercy. His compassion. His grace will find you. His mercy will find you. Notice this again. They are new every morning. Let's say this with emphasis, these last words. Great is thy faithfulness. One more time. Great is thy faithfulness. God's faithful to you. God is faithful to you. He's on your side. He's for you. Now, let me give you a few important things to do when you've experienced failure. Let me give you just a few. Then we're going to take time to to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And also, if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, we're going to take time to to see that you can get a fresh infilling. Any candidates here? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So here's some really, really important things to do. Number one, make sure you stay hooked. What do you mean, stay hooked? I'm talking about staying hooked with God. And I'm also talking about staying hooked with God's people. You know, people seem to have a tendency to resist God the hardest when they need Him the most. Brother Copeland said years ago, you know, when you miss it, when you fail, don't run from God. Run to God. Yeah, but God might be mad at me. He's all upset with me. I'm telling you right now, he will not fall off his throne because of something you failed in. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to shed his blood for you so that you can get forgiveness. Get up, dust yourself off, and keep your head up. Amen? Amen? Now, not only stay hooked with God... But stay hooked with people in church. Or we could say it like this. Stay hooked in community. Good friend of mine, Tim uh, Gilligan from uh, Ocala, Florida, says it like this. Church days should affect all of our days. This is a church day. So what you're hearing in church ought to impact you and affect you all week long. Church is not an event. Church is a group that I belong to. Church is a relationship. Church is a connection with one another. Church is a community of believers where we support one another. Whether it be in a small group or in a setting like this, or whether you go out for coffee or you go out for breakfast or lunch after service, we glean and gain such support and such encouragement from one another. We're to encourage one another. Because Jesus is coming soon. And in life, we do face discouragement. We should not live some sort of a, a facade or some sort of a hypocritical life, pretending like we've got it all together, when on the inside we're hurting. You know, if you're hurting, you need a friend. If you're hurting, you need community. And if you're not hurting, you need to be the friend. And you need to be that person that will support and lift and help and encourage your brother or sister. I thank God for the encouragers in my life. I thank God for the supporters in my life. You know, one of the metaphors that Jesus uses and God uses of the local church is a temple. Uh, You think of scriptures like you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. 
and the Spirit of God dwells in you? I think about when we built this building or when we revived it or restored it, there was a lot of things that needed to come together. There were certain things that needed to be connected with one another so that one part could support the other part of the building. See, when a building is put up wrong, when something is built wrong without the right support, it, be, it becomes a big mess. Well, see, we're a holy temple, hallelujah, Amen. built up together in the Spirit, Amen? And we're all parts of the body, and we're all connected together. And together, glory to God, we can support, and we can help one another, and we can support, and we can help our community. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm part of a church. church. Glory to God. God. Thank God for that support. And so I just want to say this. This church, right here, this church is full of loving people. Full of loving people who are ready, who are able, and who are willing to help you navigate through some of the difficult seasons of your life. Now, you'll never get to know them if you just come in and go out. If you just look at the church as a time to get fed and go out and then feed your belly, and you know, it's all right, that's all good, but a church is more than that. A church is a body. A church is a connection. So number one, make sure you stay hooked with God. And make sure you stay hooked with God's people. And then, if you've failed, if you've missed it, why not just admit it? You know, there's just something refreshing about, the, about someone admitting that they've missed it. You know, I failed, I missed it. There's no, no, there's no sense of you blame shifting. No sense of living in denial. It's time to go from denial to reality. And then be gracious to yourself. You know, if someone else has made a mistake, if you're operating in the spirit, you're going to overlook that. You're going to forgive that, right? But sometimes people have the hardest time in forgiving themselves. That was one of the biggest things I had to overcome in my addiction. I can remember going into the treatment center way back there in 1974 and someone had a cross on and they were admitting me into the hospital and he was telling me about the cross and how that God had forgiven me and how that I needed to forgive myself. You know, those were just words that were in my head. It took me, it took me a long time to get to the point where I would forgive myself. Listen, friends, don't hold a grudge against yourself. Because what will happen is it will condemn you. And condemnation is no good for anyone. In Romans 8, 1, it says, there is therefore now. I want you to get this. There is therefore now. Everyone say, right now. There is therefore now. How much condemnation? How much? No condemnation to them which are in who? Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life has made you free from the law of sin and death. So be gracious to yourself. Everyone say, let it go. Whatever it is, let it go. And it may be you. <laughs> and then, you know, put it in perspective. Is it really the end of the world? Is it really... You know, that important, the scope of my entire lifetime? 
Is it really important, you know, in the scope of eternity? Is it worth harboring in my heart and allowing it to affect my future? Will the sun rise in the east tomorrow? Absolutely will. And then here's an important truth. Learn from it. Learn from it. And regroup. Learn from your failures. Learn from the things where you've made mistakes. Don't wallow in them. Don't condemn yourself. And don't let anyone else condemn you. I don't care whether they're a close relative or a close friend. Condemnation is not of God. It comes straight from the pit of hell. But I think we could all admit today that perhaps we haven't operated at the level of wisdom that God's made available to us at all times. When you think about the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God is the ability to use knowledge. Now, wisdom is available to those who will ask for it. In James chapter 1, and let me quote this to you, you face a decision in life, you face something you really need to, to, to decide on, where do you go? Where do you go? In James chapter 1, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him do what? Hey, that's a thought. Let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And what will be given? Wisdom shall be given unto you. Amen. Now, here's another important thing about making decisions and regrouping and learning from past mistakes. And having to make a decision. Don't let anyone pressure you into making a Johnny on the spot decision right now. You ever been on a, 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 on a, a car lot? You ever been in a, in a high pressure sales situation? Where someone's trying to pressure you into something? I was talking to someone the other day on the telephone. And I was inquiring about something. And she said, well, this offer is only good for right now. You've got to do something about it today. And I said, well, we'll talk to you later then. God bless you. Bye. The devil is the author of hurry, 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 hurry. And confusion, confusion, confusion. God is the author of peace, peace, peace. Wait on the Lord and I'll make it known to you. So don't let people pressure you into a decision. Whether it be you refine your home or buying a home or, or, or having, you know, to, to move to another city, uh, to take another job. Don't let somebody say, hey, I'll give you this job if you accept the job right now today. And here you are, you haven't even checked that town whether they got a good church in it. Oh my, now we're meddling now. Now on the other side of the coin, there's always another side of the coin just about everything. On the other side of the coin, number one, don't let people pressure you. Number two, don't procrastinate. Well, I think I hit a chord right there. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait till the last minute till you have to make a decision. Do your due diligence. Be prayerful. Look to the Lord. Get quiet before Him. Trust in Him. And He'll make His way known unto you. But you don't want to have to get into a position where you've got to do something right now. You've got to be ready. Now, here's another thing about the wisdom of God. You want a little bit more today? Have you had enough? You want to go home? Here's something else about the wisdom of God in learning to regroup, in learning to learn from your past mistakes. Here's something else about God's wisdom. 
Wisdom is already on the inside of you. What? What? Wisdom's on the inside of me? Well, I'm glad you, you're, you're questioning that. Let me prove it to you. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Look at your neighbor and say, we're heading somewhere. You know where we're heading today? We're heading to a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're heading to an infilling, a baptism with power from on high. Glory to God. Now, I want us to think about this. Read this together. Ready? Read. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. Stop right now. But of who? Who's him? But of God. Are you in Christ Jesus? In other words, because you've been born of God, because you've been born from above, because you are a child of God, you are immediately in Christ Jesus. You know, you look a whole lot better in Christ than you did out of Christ. I hope you're acting better. I hope you're living better. But of Him. Because I'm born from above. Raul, because I'm a child of God. Because you're born of God. You have been immediately been taken out of darkness into the kingdom of light. But not only that, now you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And all that he is, is, and all that he has, he brought with him when he came into you. He that is joined unto the Lord has become what? You're one with him. He is one with you. You are in Christ Jesus. And what is in Christ Jesus now is in you. Say this with me. What is in Christ Jesus is in me now. Do you have... His faith? Yeah. How about His love? Yeah. The love of God has been shed abroad in where? In our hearts. Oh, I, I'm, I'm feeling something up here right now. Thank God the love of God, the faith of God is shed abroad in your heart. Amen. Now notice this. Not that. <laughs> but of Him... Are you in Christ Jesus? Now notice, who of God or who of him has been made unto us? In Christ is wisdom. In me is his wisdom. In Christ is righteousness. In me is this gift of righteousness. In Christ is sanctification and redemption. And in you is sanctification and redemption. Oh man, that's shouting ground right there. And so, we do not have to look out here for wisdom. For the wisdom of God is down here. It is on the inside of you as a gift from Him. Now, we can have this wisdom 
and not pay any attention to it? Or can we can have this wisdom and we can cultivate it and develop it and ask God for this wisdom that's on the inside of us to be made fruitful to our minds so that we can know the right decision and the right way we should go. That's awesome. Now listen, in, in uh, Proverbs 20, verse 5, I want you to look at that with me. Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says this, that counsel in the heart of man, or wisdom in the heart of man, is like deep water. It's kind of like a well. It's on the inside of you. Amen? But a man of understanding will draw it out. What this is saying, when you know how to draw this wisdom out that is down on the inside of you, it will become made fruitful to your life, to your mind. Now listen, I've discovered this, that one way to draw deep into that wisdom that is on the inside is by praying in other tongues. By praying in the Spirit. For when I speak in an unknown tongue, I'm not speaking to man. But I'm speaking to God. And in the spirit, you see, when you speak in tongues, when you need to make a decision, you go to him, you ask for wisdom, you praise him for a period of time, then you start praying in tongues. What happens is that wisdom of God starts coming up. <laughs> Ooh, that was, I said that wisdom of God starts coming up. It starts a bubbling up. And all of a sudden, you don't know how, but all of a sudden, it's like the lights go off. And it's like you just know exactly what you're supposed to do. You know exactly what you're not supposed to do. You know exactly where you're supposed to go. You know exactly where you're not supposed to go. Oh, friend, this is divine wisdom. This is not the wisdom of this world. This is the wisdom of God. And wisdom in our life is the principal thing. If you will exalt the wisdom of God, And take time to cultivate it. I'm telling you what, you'll not have to make some of the mistakes that you've made in the past. I'll not have to do some of the things and make some of the failures that I failed in the past. Why? Because the wisdom of God is flowing. Say it with me. Divine wisdom is not hidden from me because it's in Christ. This divine wisdom, it's hidden for me. Now, let's just thank God right now. Let's raise our hands and thank Him for the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. How many of you need to make some decisions in the next month or few days or so? Wave your hand at me. Let's go and activate this right now. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you for wisdom for this decision that needs to be made for my life, for my business. In my relationships. And I believe that I receive the wisdom of God right now. I have right now the wisdom of God. Now let's just start praising Him and thanking Him for it. You ask Him for something, He gives it to you. You start praising Him. Start thanking Him. Give Him glory. Give Him glory. Give Him honor. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom. Ooh, divine wisdom. Wisdom that's beyond, beyond the norm, beyond the world. Now just start speaking in other tongues right now for a few moments. Or in English. Oh, Lord, we thank you. 
Oh, brichiste mandele bravayan de lobro cosi. Lisho rondele bravayan de desilabon de regeshtabaya. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Supernatural wisdom. Divine wisdom. Hallelujah. And when people will come and say, what are you going to do? When are you going to do it? Have you got the answer yet? Don't yield to doubt. Put doubt out. And say, yeah, I got the wisdom of God. God's working. And it won't be long before I know exactly what to do. Stay in the arena of faith. Don't doubt. Don't open the door to confusion. Declare thou through the language of the redeemed, I have the wisdom of God. And then don't allow fear to creep back in your life if you failed. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power and love and sound mind. Don't be paralyzed by the fear of failure or the fear of your future. You know, a lot of folks miss opportunities. They're missed and creativity is stifled when people fear failure. Don't be afraid of failure. Face your future with faith. And then lastly, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Right before we do our altar call. Hallelujah. Say it with me. God's moving today. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving in this place today. I can hardly wait to lay hands on you today. Ooh, glory to God. And I'm going to ask for you guys to help me. Amen. So don't allow the past to cloud your future. Here's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived. But I'll tell you one thing I'm going to do for sure. I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget those things which are behind. And I'm going to reach unto those things which are before. Hallelujah. In other words, what Paul is saying, I'm going to let go of the cares of the past. And here's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Say it with me. I'm letting it go. Make this confession with me in the name of Jesus. Devil, you cannot hinder. You cannot harass me no longer because I have discovered that I am in Christ and Christ is in me therefore in Jesus name I let go of the past I let go of the weights and the cares of my past in the name of Jesus glory to God Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, how are you doing today, brother? I'm carefree. How can you be so carefree? Because the past is behind me. I've let it go. My future's bright. How can you say that? Listen, my future's bright. Well, why is your future so bright? Because I'm walking in the light of my redemption. I'm walking in the light of the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Now, you do know that the devil is a historian, don't you? He'll try to harass and rehearse your past to your soul. Jerry Savelle said years ago, when the devil reminds you of your past, simply remind him of his past. And you just let that turkey know that his future doesn't look so bright either. Hallelujah. Now, let it go. Whatever it is, let it go. 
Let me put it to you this way. Whoever it is, just let it go. Whatever the hurts of the past, just let it go. See, the Bible says let all bitterness go. Let all wrath and clamor. Let all unforgiveness go. You see, your faith will not work in an unforgiving heart. Anybody here today need to let somebody go to forgive someone? Raise your hand. All right, there's several of you. Let's help them do that right now. Let's all stand to our feet.